This is Monday, April 3rd, 2000, meeting number 2507. That's the way to begin a service. That's thing good Protestant preachers always, let's start with a prayer. We open with, all right, God damn it. <laughs> Jesus. Are we on? I got a uh, letter recently from somebody in one of the other cities. And they were mentioning uh, how much, as some of you have here, similar mentioned some, but said how much they were enjoying the tapes of late, even more so than they had in years past, and saying, I hadn't really thought about it, but saying that I sounded over the tape so much more passionate about it. But they said specifically, they were continually intrigued when I would pause in my middle of my conversation. And they said that they were constantly not expecting that when I paused and seemed to be considering what words to use next or that I was plotting something, that they continually thought that suddenly I was going to re return to speaking and just reveal the goddamnedest thing, just everything. That there was just the one big secret of, that I was just you know, debating whether I could put it in words, whether I should put it in words. And I thought, well, how neat that if it was me sitting there. Anyway, I could understand what they were saying, that I paused and I assume that they were saying that they were already interested in what I was talking about and getting excited. And then I would pause right in the midst of excitement or excitement causing words. And then I too thought I would have been sitting there expecting to hear the voice go, out of hell with it, listen. And I felt sort of bad that I hadn't done that. Of course I don't because I've already done it. I just, I keep slipping it in. And I sound like I'm mumbling or just... Well, every time I think of light more and more, how was that pause? <laughs> but I keep considering maybe I should just go ahead and. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Well, I was going ahead and read. The Spirit moves me. I feel a message coming on. I do feel inclined. I've tried to almost say this before, sort of. Maybe, perhaps. Mm hmm. It's easy enough nowadays the way I understand it the way I now have experienced it to continue to say how simple it is and to keep writing these stories and news items and you know by now I am not in any way trying to make anyone feel bad and to say well boy it's so simple I can't believe that you don't get it may I repeat to you people it took me as long to get it in the sense I do now it took me as long as a few of you have been 
adults. So I do not bring this up to make you feel bad and for you to go, well, damn, if you know, I can imagine years ago, I would have, if I'd been reading or if I'd heard someone that I thought knew something, if they kept saying, God, it's so simple. It's right in front of your face. I mean, if they told me that once or twice, maybe the first time, I would have gotten excited. Especially because I, I was already, and I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure this is, I know this is the way it goes with everyone. As soon as I heard about the whole notion that man's asleep and through certain efforts could awaken, blah, blah, I immediately accepted what a lifelong, onerous, complex, convoluted, backbreaking task this must be. And I, all I've done is read that one sentence that man's asleep through certain efforts can awaken. As I've told you, I immediately went, yes, that's it. By God, I found it. And before I even read what was next in the book, I already assumed, oh my God. You know, I was looking at Sisyphus tripled. Ah, oh, shoo. And of course, then the particular one I was intrigued by, the first one I read, was uh, a very systematized. As I've said, it was uh, really not of any great, well, I don't know whether it's of great importance or not. It was the first real systematized, intellectually oriented approach to awakening ever presented in the West. Uh, but it was just full of all kinds of things. You know, cutting up man even worse than I have, I don't mean that negatively, but that man was mapped out in increasingly complex ways, that he was carried down to, uh, down to, it's not the terms, but down to atomic and then subatomic levels. And it was just, you could, from chapter to chapter, you could read and decide, well, I've got to learn how to do X. And he says that you have got to be able to uh, do Y in the next chapter. And it was like, well, maybe 10 years to conquer chapter 2 and then 10 years for chapter 3. And just, my God, I could already sense as soon as I would read about things like trying to be eternally mindful or trying to continually remember oneself. I thought, well, you know, Jesus. First I thought, well, now that I see what it is, it's easy. And I assume also, like any of you who were saying Running across that, or be eternally mindful, or to calm the mind, whatever method that you first were intrigued with. At first, you thought, well, how simple. And thank God I found this book, or I would have never, I don't believe, stumbled across that. That I am not a stable, unified, consistent person in me. That's being asleep. And what you've got to do is stop this eternal flow of one eye after another. I thought, how, how great. That's it. And of course, after a few days, few weeks, few months, you felt like, Jesus, is everyone in the world as weak and stupid as I am? How complex. I accepted it. I added to it. <clears throat> I added to it inadvertently. I didn't do anybody any harm. I added to it inadvertently when I started publicly talking about it and holding myself out as though I knew something. I look back now, and I understand the complexity of it, not because I was stupid, not because you and anyone else uh, are dense of mind. It seems complex for the very reason that it's simple, and for the very reason, 
is the root of what causes what we call being asleep. That it's just all mental bullshit. You go, well, all right, let me think. No! That's mental bullshit. That doesn't sound very mystical, I know, and scientific. It's all the secondary world. It is all concoctions of the mind. And so the mind is by no means ever put off by complexity. In fact, I should read because I wrote something about that this afternoon for you. Let me go ahead and start reading. <clears throat> In remarks obviously directed to his own head, one man said, quote, You've been a good old brain. You've helped me keep my balance, adjusted my blood pressure, regulated my heartbeat, and a myriad of other beneficial operations. But tell me, please tell me do, what in the hell is the point of the rest of this crowd? <laughs> he then became silent, apparently listening for a reply. And do I have to tell you the rest? <laughs> a sign that your head is becoming more stable, although unrealized as it first begins to occur, is in not readily recognizing yourself when you encounter a mirror. <laughs> Hint, this is a metaphor. <laughs> is that me? No. Is that not me? No. Then is that not not me while yet still being something beyond all of that? You know, the man was right. You've been a good old brain. Men run by their feelings, not their thoughts. Thoughts are the personal assistance to feelings. Feelings rule. Thoughts serve and assist. When an ordinary person feels rotten, they think, I feel rotten. When those seeking the secret feel rotten, they think, why are my thoughts so rotten today? Tish, tish. Thoughts have two sources of material, their own memories and the sensations passed along to the brain's thinking areas from its non-thinking ones. Thoughts come from quasars, feelings from the Big Bang. Uh, that is metaphorical, but I certainly mean something by it. Something quite specific that you can observe in yourself. Or you can feel and then observe in yourself. Back to the reading. Believing that the, sto believing that the study of a method to awaken is the same as awakening is like taking a course in unicorn tracking. Even if you graduate, there's nowhere to practice your art. And the man said, I do not myself know whether I am enlightened or not, but I have a diploma that says I am. 
And he's a better man than me. Understanding put in words is folly. Understanding never spoken is the secret graduation. Those who awaken only in a monastery never fully awaken. Those who construct a monastery in their own head and awaken therein are more awake. But they are the most awake who then flee even the monastery they constructed in their own head. To himself, the man kept saying, I've got to get away. I have got to get away. I've got to get back over the border. The illusionary border between me and everything my brain's thoughts say are outside of me. I must cross over that border before it's too late. And off he went. Huh? Headline, The Thing About Thoughts. Thoughts either just appear or you make them appear. Or so it appears. Hint, there is no awakening in the former instance. That is when thoughts just appear. And one man mused, it is truly refreshing that some things in life are simple, end quote, which reveals the thinking of those brains who have hypnotized themselves and has difficulty. And one man mused, it is truly refreshing that some things in life are simple, which reveals the thinking of a brain that has hypnotized itself and now has difficulty in seeing that all of life is simple. And of course, and indeed, it is this very simplicity that most brains are not equipped and prepared to confront. The motions of life as exemplified by man, by man requiring that things become more... Pardon my typing. The motions of life are exemplified by man requiring that things become more complex as perceived by ordinary thinking. Those who know what's going on are not burdened in their individual life with the illusions of complexity as a necessity, but rather realize that they and everyone else are still run by feelings, quite simple, uncomplicated feelings, and everything else is just mentally contrived Minutia. There is no doubt that men of common thought must think that ever-increasing complexity is necessary for them to live as full and proper a life as possible. For the few trying to crawl through the cracks, something resembling the opposite is in play. Thoughts either just appear or you make them appear. And that's it. Still using conventional metaphysical terms, there seems to potentially be this particular sequence. First, you appear to wake up. Then you really wake up, which is a creature of an entirely different species. Mystics not in the know expect that some sort of extended 
enlightenment experience will permanently relieve them of their feelings of dissatisfaction, jumpiness, and uncertainty. Tis good that disappointment in the human sense is not fatal, or else we'd all be singing, Where have all the mystics gone? <laughs> do, 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 do. <clears throat> I didn't ask for vocal critics. I asked that you listen. <laughs> By nature, the brain constantly floods itself with thoughts. It is not, however, outfitted with dams and sluiceways. These a man must construct for himself. Of course, what I'm actually saying is that somehow, beyond its very nature, the brain has to impose these on itself that is downs and sluiceways and someone asks so what you're saying is that a man needs to divert his attention to which I reply no what is needed is for you to stop allowing the brain to stare at itself while telling you that it is you who is doing it One man confides, I once believed that me trying to awaken was like a shadow trying to catch itself. But now I realize that what it is really like is me thinking that it's like a shadow trying to catch itself. <laughs> huge, huge difference. Wouldn't you agree? Headline regarding the all-important matter of being with it. If there was objectively such a thing as being hip, then the truly hip would never let on that they were. In fact, the truly enlightened are hip. Headline regarding the matter of speed on Daytona Beach and, beach and elsewhere. Feelings are faster than thoughts. And thoughts are faster than your ability to have them and simultaneously be aware that they do not constitute a you. <coughs> One man had a highly annoying virus which he attempted to shake by running as fast as he can, as he could. This did not do away with the virus, but did distract him from being so annoyed. What I have just described is man's unknowing state of the brain producing thoughts and the few who seek a solution doing so without ever understanding what it is that they're actually faced with. Just on the off chance that this does not strike you as immediately clear, let me rephrase the opening verbal picture. One man was greatly annoyed by the fact that he was constantly running and in an attempt to remedy the situation, he began to run faster. On one world, the creatures believe that the cure for ignorance is fanicness. Hmm. I didn't say that they were you know, intelligent creatures. <laughs> okay, everyone with a pretty good idea of what's going on, out of the water. Some medical news.
that should be obvious by now to all concerned. If it is not so in your case, just don't let on. <clears throat> Trying, as it is called by its faulty practitioners, to wake up is an unrecognized attempt to get the brain to stop performing its natural duty. Sounds kind of weird when you put it like that, huh? No, it doesn't. What are you, some kind of weirdo? So weird that simple facts sound weird to you? Well, I told you not to let on if you didn't understand it. But never mind, on to some medieval news. One king tried to destroy his gate. Failing that, by it he posted a full-time guard. And hey, the king said, full-time. And the king meant full-time. You don't mess with a king unless you're some kind of weirdo. And in more recent times, a boy asked his father, quote, how can you get a watchdog to watch itself? You're getting pretty good, encouraged the old man. A man truly awake never thinks about being awake and certainly entertains no ideas to the contrary. A man whose eyes have at times been opened wide, whoever believes that he has reached the end of the road, reshuts them of his own accord. Even though no one can ever defeat the ghost of a tar baby inside the Tango Palace, the band never stops. Whether enlightened or in the shadows, everything remains in motion. Everything remains in motion and continues to go nowhere. In particular. One man discovered a hippopotamus in his house down near the size of his house. He tried to get the bulky creature out, but it took up so much space that the man had no place to stand from which to give it a push. The hippopotamus dances on little canary feet. In case you've forgotten that, the smoke of thoughts from feeling fires come. And the cry of those wanting to know might seem to be, open the door and let me out of here. While those who actually do know are aware that the here from which they want to escape is the thoughts they're having about a here and escape therefrom. And the only door involved is a man's forgetfulness of what I've just described. Open the door and let me out of here. As that great patriot of mental freedom declared, agitation without stabilization is the curse of the sleeping class. All right. I'll be serious.
<laughs> By the organ of the brain having thoughts, is everyone tricked? But things seem okay as long as you don't know that you're being tricked. Finding, if you're going to sleep, snore as loudly as possible. In his desire to extract practical use from the statement that a man and his environment are one and the same, one man began to try and think of and to see his environment to consist of his feelings. That he was not physically surrounded by air, but by the full range of his potential feelings. One guy's suggestion, quote, each morning make a numbered list of what you want to do that day. And anything past one, forget it. <laughs> one mystic says that for many years he despaired over how his contemporaries so misread and abused the ideas put down by the enlightened ones who had gone before them but says he has of late come to wonder if their awakened predecessors did not leave such writings knowing that they would be fuddle and mislead their inattentive would-be successors. How about this? If it could be determined absolutely that, for instance, a jackass will never understand what's going on in life, then why torment him by making him believe that he can But I've got an even better one. Why encourage a ghost to believe that by changing the non-existent sheet in which he's clothed, he'll add to his substantiveness. Substantiveness. <laughs> in other words, just between you and me, keep accepting the thoughts that pass from your brain to be something or the other called you and that it is this you that produces and possesses these thoughts and you will stay forever locked in a highly frustrating totally illusionary prison which is why I was talking about about the simplicity why not be free why not be free where you can be in your mind it doesn't cost anything other than your attention to what passes through your mind. Why continue to be befuddled and misled by ideas, be they grand and marvelous or petty and mundane? They're not yours, and they damn sure aren't you. Praise be to Zeus for progenitors who knowingly misdirect us. Headline, The Matter of Enlightenment, Cut to the Bony Quick. Trying to change your mind is swimming in mud. And don't waste my time pointing out that that's not possible. 
to thoughts that listen only to themselves, anything is possible. That's why ordinary minds believe they can be changed. You know, it's really a good thing that our hearts and lungs aren't that stupid. I guess in its potential intelligence, at least, the brain is smart enough to know where to allow such delusions to exist without doing any real harm. A man said to a mystic, It seems to me that when I'm in a pissy mood, I have more impetus and ability to pursue awakening. <laughs> what would you call that? Idiocy, he replied. <laughs> Jesus. To understand what the goal is, is easy. To understand what the goal is without thinking about it, now there's the real deal. The complexity I was mentioning of all the, the apparent complexity of all the systems. And for me to say apparent complexity, I feel is doing a disservice. Uh, although it is an apparent complexity, without a proper individual understanding on everyone's part, on each person's part, then it would sound, I would assume, that that sounds as though uh, you're at fault. That if someone who does understand it says, well, it's an apparent complexity. And you think, well, I don't see it, so it must be my fault. I must be uh, insufficiently intelligent that I just don't see it. And that's why, I, but it's not a matter of intelligence because I see it now even better than ever from it's like getting past a mirage out on a desert is there no end to the metaphors I can come up with I wonder what's going to happen right when I'm dying my final breath I'm just waiting for me to come up with some sort of metaphor like well, sure, it seems like I'm dying, but I bet you it's just going to turn out to be an allegory. <laughs> then the only thing I will regret then is, let's assume I do go boom and die, is I can't come back the next second and go, ha-ha! <laughs> so as to point out the reality of what happened to myself. Because those of you who are good, if you're dead, I assume you don't have to point out the reality that, <laughs> hey, I'd be dead. It's hard to say for sure, but I, I sort of assume that won't be necessary. But see, that brings an interesting point, because it's unfair to say it's not necessary. You don't know whether it's necessary or not, but you know this, as far as observation. You can't tell yourself that. So, the matter of whether it's necessary or not necessary becomes, how shall we say it? Moot! <laughs> Doesn't matter whether it was useful or meaningful or not. But what I was trying to say is, unless there was such a thing as instant enlightenment, which uh, I assume everyone did understand, I like to lay that aside, put it to rest, 
permanently. I know over a couple of years, the last couple of years, for a while, I kept bringing up, uh, normally the context, I would even mention it's not important, but of the old Zen stories, they were the, those and some of the, there are stories in the Indian literature, but the Zen stories seem to be the most commonly known in the West, where someone received, as it's put, instant enlightenment. Now, I even made my own version, as you remember, the kid that never even heard of Zen that came to deliver pizza and knocked on the door of the monastery and the Zen monastery and they said who's there and he said pizza delivery and they said something like we'll be there in a second and he suddenly received his enlightenment that's my version I just cut it to the quick As far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing. That sort of thing does not happen. It is a beautiful story. And I, I will give someone credit in the past. I always do. This, none of this is of any great importance other than trying to get your attention pointed in another direction. I give everyone credit. I assume that any story good enough to get my attention, which is just subjective, but if I like the story, then I always give someone credit for being an awakened atom. I give somebody credit, the originator of the story. I give him full credit for understanding, or I give him credit for understanding the way in which I understand it, to take it at its best. Then I understand why someone would have done that. As far as it literally happening, uh, it used to bother me. As I've admitted to you, I don't know whether it ever bothered you, but it used to bother me. How in the hell could that happen? Now, of course, I made the story simpler. But there are stories without pizza delivery boys that never even heard of Zen. There are many stories throughout the mystical literature of such things happening. Uh, I do not see them as literally having occurred. I don't see any way that it's possible. I'm just telling you. But then it becomes a matter of graduation that I do understand this, that many people have an experience after some number of years, that they have that experience that is so extraordinary that it's been given its own name and throughout history it's been given such descriptions as, quote, and then he had his enlightenment, or quote, then upon hearing this or upon concluding a certain ritual for the umpteenth billionth time, he suddenly had his awakening. As I pointed out to you last time, what is never included, or what's generally left out, is the rest of it, is then, who it was that had their moment, they then, it usually goes something like this, if they got their moment of enlightenment you know, from the man who cut off his finger, the master that cut off his finger, or the master that stuck him in the eye, or the master that, upon his question about how can I achieve Buddha mind, and he picks up a rock and hits him in the head and says, there. And that says, and upon receiving the blow to the head, and after he stopped the initial gushing of blood, he received his awakening. But then the sentence that's normally left out is, and he then settled his affairs and moved into the monastery and spent the next 50 years studying with the master that hit him with a rock, stabilizing, fleshing out 
completing is a no word normally translated in English, completing, fulfilling his enlightenment. In other words, the experience is not the end of it. Although, as I'm saying, many people have taken that story and run with it on the basis that after having an experience, I have no doubt that one experience has set many people into the role or set them to playing the role of a spiritual guru, a mystical guru. Because that's how extraordinary it is. Those of you that's had it, it is just the first time. It's absolutely, you don't know what to do. Other than just run and, you know, leap nude through the woods and hoof and holler. But you don't know. There's nothing you can say about it. You can't go to anybody and talk to them unless you actually were, so to speak, studying or being around somebody that you thought knew what it was. You can call them up and wink at them over the phone. And which at least I give you guys credit, those of you that's been really carried away. Nobody's ever tried to do much more than that. Well, one of you one time called up and giggled instead of winked. But I'll let that go. I mean, some people are more demonstrative than others. <laughs> the one time you can stop there and you certainly have a personal war story. Even if no one, even if you can't get anybody else to ever experience it, and even if you never experience it again. Uh, if, I, or if I heard somebody doing it and I in some way were aware that all they'd had was one experience and that they were entertaining a group of people, or leading some kind of mystical group, I assume you know I wouldn't say a word, even if I knew that they'd never had but the one experience, that they never had anything but what I'd had you know, 40 years ago, and as extraordinary as it was. But hell, after a week, the damn thing was almost gone. After two weeks, the emotion of it was gone, and here's somebody that's trying to run off of the experience, and it was 30 or 40 years ago. So I know what's going on. I know what's not going on, and I know that they simply stop there. If you continue, it appears for a long time, from my view, from my experience of it now, and from seeing from a different view all of the writings and explanations of other people. For a long time, it's like, since I started this instant on the spot, new allegory, metaphor, it's like you're moving out across this plain or this desert. I should have said plain, I don't mean it's necessarily a desert. But this wide open space, but it seems to get more and more complex. The going gets harder, it gets rougher. Maybe it is a desert, maybe it gets desert-like, gets sandy, gets harder to walk. You feel like you're trudging. It seems like the harder you try to go, the more you try to understand, the more you try to figure it out, the more complex it gets. And so for a while, that's why I say, looking back, you'd be, I wouldn't be surprised for some people to go, yeah, that's all I need is for you or somebody keeps saying, it's so simple. It's so simple. You think, yeah, so simple. It's so simple. I'm about to you know, give it all up. It just becomes a morass. It becomes a madhouse. It becomes a merry-go-round. That's for one reason. One simple reason. Not because the gods have made it hard. All those kinds of stories like, you know, that the gods are the fate the great secret mystical brotherhood up in the mountains of somewhere. By the way, I hear they've moved from Tibet to the Appalachians. <laughs> Land's cheaper. Of course, I don't know how land could be cheaper than in the Himalayas. So that's how you really get land cheap there, by the way, now. I found out one of the tricks is you quit pronouncing it Himalayans like they do in the West. 
And if you announce it, Himalayans, the people who own the land over there, which no one does in particular, then they're prone to sell it to you at a better price. Did I tell you about the... <laughs> I keep forgetting now. For, no. But see, the complexity is not through these kinds of stories that man has been cursed or that it's all a big test or that it's some kind of evolutionary process and that only a few people will fight through it. I'm telling you one more time because I know how hard this is to see. I know how seldom it's been seen. And as I pointed out to you whether it means anything, I know of no written record of anyone ever pointing this out. That is, that the state that mysticism has always called being in the dark, being deluded, being under some evil influence, being asleep, that it is man's normal state. Uh, I, I do not know how many of you individually have benefited from that, but that was one of the, not to overdo it, but small turning points in my life. Because it does, it changes your feeling toward what you're doing. In the beginning, everyone, I repeat, I assume you can say it this way, that everyone must believe that something should be changed or you won't try to change. And to feel like something should be changed, you always feel like it's being changed in a positive sense. So that is, you must start off thinking something is wrong. You must. You've got to believe you're overweight. Whether you are or not, you have to think, you have to believe you're overweight to go to the trouble to go on a diet. You have to believe there's something you need to know to go take a course. You have to believe that something is wrong. But the whole idea, as necessary as it is in the beginning, and I'm saying it is necessary, um, that should be obvious to you. You must think that something is wrong with you. Forget it, to what degree, forget how horrendous, forget how substantial it is, but you must feel like something is wrong or you wouldn't try to change. So you hear man believes he's conscious, yes, but he's not. He's asleep. He's walking around halfway dazed. He might as well be hypnotized living in a dream. You go, my God, I have felt, I'd never put in those words, but they're talking about me. I felt like that there was some sort of veil between me, some kind of haze between me and life. That's it. And it says, but through certain efforts, you can get over it. You go, by God, count me in. Where did I start? So you think something is wrong. One more time. I don't know any way, and I'm, I'm correcting this because I know how the brain works at that level. You must think something is wrong or you won't try to change things. But I'm telling you that there was, I won't make this just personal. I'm sure it will change the way that you feel about it to get past, not just agreeing with me verbally, but to get past feeling like something is wrong with you and everybody else. Because you may be the point, I first got to the point that I had given up on everybody else. I quit worrying about that. But you also might notice throughout history, people who have ever had one experience, whether you understood that way or not, but people who have had some experience, and they don't go any further, what's the first thing they do? Is they announce that they want to help awaken the rest of their fellow man so that they can benefit and improve themselves, as I have, 
and all. Now, you know I'm being dramatic. I have no quarrel. It's not my business. They're not helping anybody. They're not hurting anybody. I, but I'm telling you, that is one of the feelings that will get you trapped. Not of, not of trying to help people. Not that. But a thing like that people need help. And again, we're not talking about physical help. I'm sure I don't have to keep saying it, but I will again. If you saw somebody starving, if you saw somebody laying in a ditch hurt, they can be helped. I'm not speaking of that, as you know. But the idea that humanity is asleep. By God, they would appreciate it so much if in some way you happen to wake up, then if you would be so kind as to share this, as to help the other sentient beings also achieve Buddha mind. That's when I go... It is a turning point. I'm sure you'll feel it. And it wasn't the kind of thing that happened to me instantly. It's not like an experience of some new stage of enlightenment. It was a gradual. But then I do know that finally it all gelled, and I just simply understood, and that was the end of it, that man's ordinary state, mine and any other civilized person, just ordinary people, what we call, what mystics, what I had been thinking of and accepting for a decade or more, is being asleep. And I constantly would look at the rest of humanity asleep, wars, religious groups fighting. Oh, my God. How could people? They're so asleep. At least I'm not that asleep. I'm still asleep. I'm not a, surely I'm not awake. But those poor sleeping people, and one religious group or one ethnic group fighting another, oh, that, people are so asleep. If they just had what little understanding, what little enlightenment I've experienced thus far, just poor little me, then all of these horrible events in life would quickly come to an end if they would just wake up a little. You may have had some experience and you may understand a little bit, but you are still in the dark with your eyes closed. You at least need to open your eyes and realize, well, I'm in the dark. And that's what I'm saying is the kind of corner you turn. Uh, I don't know whether anybody, maybe I'm spending too much time, but I'm telling you, it will have an effect. You will feel it when it finally sinks into you. It will have a personal effect on you. The way you look at this, to realize that the ordinary state, the one that we rail against, or I do on your behalf, God, God damn it, I'm sick of being asleep, is though you know, it's an illness, it's a sickness. It is not. It is man's normal state. And I'm telling you, it is beneficial. It is beneficial in a way that you can't imagine until you experience it for that to really sink in. I don't just say things like, I, I do them theatrically as little jokes. And I do it with enough sarcasm for you to know that I'm speaking ironically for me to say, well, the rest of the world, they got the right idea. Sleeping people got their idea. They're just what they are, and to hell with it. I mean, they do the best they can, and most people are not that disturbed. This us. You know, the mystics throughout the ages always think we're the chosen ones, or at least we're the ones intelligent enough to take on the rightful struggle. Everybody else is struggling to get rich and famous, you know. We're struggling rightfully. We've undertaken the true struggle. The only, the only purpose in life is to awaken. 
And at least we realize it. I'm telling you, it is a beneficial turn for you to realize that all of that is we are not struggling against some flaw. We're not struggling against the original sin. That's why I, even though I keep having to use it myself or do, that I have said as recently, or as late. Is it recently or late? A couple of years ago, I said, yeah, I'm about sick of talking about being awake, being asleep. Because every time you say, well, there you are asleep. Of course, I could call it there you are cucumbering. But my tone of voice, you would know what it is. The talking part of your brain to put the sense together, you just discard the cucumber part. You'd, un you'd understand it was an assault on your normal state, which you, know, you don't really need any encouragement. Not if you're my kind of mystic. You oh, hell yeah, tell me about it. You know, kick me, I deserve it. You've got to feel that way to ever try to do anything. But I'm also telling you, it is very beneficial in a way that you cannot imagine until it happens. Just realize you don't start off in a hole. Neither you or nor humanity. There is no hole in the universe. When I say a hole, uh, a point of a depressed place. But, you know, humans are all staying down there like <laughs> some cartoon, I guess, of a, a trashy version of a cesspool of hell that everybody's staying up to their neck and slime and goo. Like, i got to get out of here. That this is being asleep. No, no, no. Everybody starts off standing upright on this planet. Everybody starts in the same place. Everybody ends in the same place, a few feet under the planet. But at any rate, we are not in an anomalous state. You don't know how, what a relief, and you don't know how beneficial it is for you to realize that. And you can't just adopt it. I'm sure some of you have tried. I'm sure some of you feel like that you could sit there right now and go, well, that, you're right. There's no doubt I can see that. Okay. Keep looking. Because when you feel it, it will have a real effect. It just changes everything. And it just does. For you to realize that what you're trying to do, and this is when I try to make sure that you understand I'm being ironic, and I say, what, you know, we're kind of idiots. We're not the chosen ones. We're not the chosen few. What we're trying to do is unnecessary. You might say, oh, yeah, I know it's unnecessary. No, 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 let me be. It's unnecessary. And you may think, well, yeah, I understand that. No, let me be blunt. It's unnecessary. When you truly, well, it has an effect. When you understand that, and I know surely all of you will verbally or thoughtfully agree to that. Well, you're sure it's unnecessary. Nobody's making me do it. Nobody knows whether I'm trying to do it or not. If I don't talk about it, no one knows. I could be living with someone. I could have a, you know, be living in the same room with somebody. And if I never mentioned it, they wouldn't know it. And I realize that now ordinary people, being asleep, they wouldn't even realize I'm involved in some great internal struggle to expand my consciousness. They would never know it. There's a reason for that. <laughs> the thing that you're not, the understanding, 
produces a feeling. When you understand that you are not trying to raise yourself out of a depressed place on the planet, out of a hole, to bring yourself up to some normal level and then to get to some supernormal level. Everybody's at the same level. The same level as a normal level. It will have an effect when you realize that you're not struggling against some flaw. That you're not struggling against some untoward operation in you. Except when you're feeling kind of shitty, that doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Except I pointed out in one of my written items that an ordinary person, when they're feeling rotten, they will think, I feel rotten. Now see, that, that covers it. But people like us, we think, hmm, why are my thoughts so rotten today? <laughs> it's because you feel rotten. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll speak for me. For years back, I'll, I'll leave it to you. I would have said for many years, if I'd heard that, I would have said to myself, no. Now, whoever, whoever said that, I would dismiss them. I would say, well, that's the whole point of trying to awaken. <laughs> Is just because I feel rotten, my thoughts are not going to be rotten. I would, I, I would have said to, you know, to myself in response to whoever said that, I would have thought, well, that person's an idiot. They started off talking like they knew something about being awake and being asleep. But that's the whole point of struggling to awaken is to get to the point that just because you feel rotten, then it no longer affects your thoughts. In all sincerity, may I tell you, get a grip. <laughs> That was me talking to me, I guess. <laughs> Does anybody understand? You got two choices. Thoughts either, quote, just appear. They're just... Or you make them appear. Apparently. I always got to put that in parenthetically. Do you understand when thoughts just appear... They appear above ground. Below ground, if things that day are, as we say in geological terms, if things below ground that day are shitty, then above ground, your thoughts are going to be shitty. Yes, but someday I'll over... Shut up. Shut up. Yes, but the whole point is someday I'll overcome, be able to. The thoughts that just appear will reflect how you feel. That is what, I'm not blaming it on anybody, but that's what was missing in all my readings and my early interpretation of the idea that we're not a solid I. And the point was that the point of, or the one description of the goal of awakening was to stop this endless flow of apparently randomly successful, successive, succeeding 
eyes, one after another, that if you woke up, you would have one final, finally would have one stable permanent eye. And that's the kind of thing that is complex enough, well, it's obvious enough when you first hear it, it was to me that, my God, this system is correct. Well, there are people who have understood all this before because this fits in with everything else. That's about the second or third thing I read after reading Man's Asleep and Through Certain Efforts Can Awaken. Yes, yes, yes. And it says when you're asleep, you have no real person. It's like in a dream, just scenes flash from one to another and you jump from here to there and the absolutely ridiculous and impossible juxtaposition from one scene, you know, you're flying through the air you know, naked above Cairo, and then suddenly you're in, uh, underground you know, in a coal mine talking to Nikita Khrushchev. And it just happens. The same thing happens, it said, when you are out of bed and awake. You have these eyes that have no relationship to one another. It's because you're asleep, and they just continue to flow through you, and each one says that they're you, they're you, and then the next one's you, and you don't notice it. But if you would only awaken, that would stop and you would have one eye. As soon as I read that, I thought, Jesus. God, if I could just find whoever said that. They were still alive. That's it. There was no denying it. But as always, it's nobody's fault. It's a missing piece. Yeah. That's not even a good description. If you look at it physiologically, which I've been trying to get you people to do, some of you still insist that you want to, you won't admit it, but you still wish you were in a rose-colored chevron robe floating halfway off the ground through India or Tibet with a glow around your head so that other people would look and go, she finally awoke. There's no doubt. Anybody that you look up and they're floating around with halos and you think they finally awoke, you do understand, but now they didn't awake. That's not what's going on. <laughs> think about the people that walk past you in the street and you'd never see them, never recognize them. I don't mean that they're all awake, but if there is a body awake and you pass them on the street, they were in that bunch. There is a physiological fact uh, that I was putting behind the term missing piece. Look at it simply as I've been talking about, about what's going on in the brain. Instead of the thing that successive, uh, repetitive, unstable eyes one after another, look at it for what they are. It's thoughts. It's something that the brain produces. It produces it in a general area of the brain. It is not fueled from nothing. The brain does not simply make up what it thinks out of nothing, any more than you can live off nothing. Your blood's got to flow to be alive. We all know that. To be alive and be a fully functioning human Thoughts have to flow. For blood to flow, there must be nutrients. You must take in nutrition, and that continues to replenish the blood. 
thoughts are replenished. They are fueled. Blood does not create itself. Thoughts do not create themselves. The brain creates thoughts and it comes from the non-thinking areas. I mean, I go on and on and drag it out, but it comes from the below the cortical level, below the areas where thought is produced. It's a simple fact. It comes from the general, the central nervous system. Or I keep using sort of metaphorically or inferring again tonight and last time. Uh, in one sense, if you recall, anybody who just take ordinary physiological, neurological explanations of the brain, descriptions of the brain. Uh, along about the limbic area, the thalamus, it's just known the whole thing is a gateway. They're right there, it decides what sensations, physical and what we call emotions, our feelings. They come and they must pass through the limbic system, through the thalamus, and this damn piece of, you know, this cellular lobe, this mass, these molecules, these cells, through electrical chemical processes, God knows. Is it astounding? Is it beautiful? Just even think about it. We have feelings. Anger, aggression, sadness, shyness, happiness, sadness. These feelings without names are already down in the central nervous system. And as I said, we can keep on and on talking. Well, why do you feel bad? Then we can start, well, why did you eat? How's the temperature? Never mind. Just look at it just inside your universe, inside your body. It is down in the central nervous system. Let's just take it that far. The extent of your skin, we won't go outside your skin. Feelings, sensations are produced. They go up the central nervous system. They get to the thalamus right there and down in the center of the brain. And that mass in there, like everything else, the whole thing, there's no difference between us and anything else. But in that mass somewhere, it decides, just our word for it, it decides what will be sent up to the thinking areas, to the cort cortical areas of the brain. Whatever it lets up there, that is the nutrient that the cortex uses to produce thoughts. It's not up there mining. It doesn't eat itself. The brain doesn't chew on itself to come up with material. Where does it get the material? Because you won't get real specific. I didn't. I wrote it down tonight. The way I look at it, it's helped me. Is that there are actually two sources of material? One is the brain just relying on its own memories, which is a form of non-nourishing cannibalism. But that's the crap that I call being asleep. That's the main part of it, is it is simply relying on its own memories. Which you only do if there's no pressing job going on that requires real nutrition to the cortical areas that you really have to think, really do some problem solving. You're just reminiscing. You're asleep. You're just running in circles. That is man's ordinary state. There's nothing wrong with it. That is man's ordinary state. If the brain is not engaged, especially the cortical areas, the thinking areas of the brain. If they're not engaged in a specific problem solving, that's all it's doing. There's that source, and then what I'm talking about. The other source is nourishment coming, the only other possible source. And it's always there. But I'm just saying this may help some of you to get a beginning look at it. 
The other source says below. The thinking areas is the nourishment coming up from the central nervous system, from the entire organism, and it gets through that gateway of the thalamus, if it does, and it decides whether to let up shitty feelings, happy feelings, full feelings, hungry feelings, and it lets it through. And if you don't know it better, then you're suddenly having real rotten thoughts. And, of course, ordinary people, as I said, all they'll do, even if they took any notice of it, they just think, well, I feel rotten. You know, big deal. They'll take it on their wife or husband, bark at a stranger, give the finger to some on the expressway. What the hell? It's just being alive. I don't feel good. Get off my back. But people like us, I'll speak for me. For years, I wake up and suddenly having real pissant thoughts. Real aggressive thoughts. Just that nobody just wake up and be mad at the alarm clock. Just kind of edged off at the world. Jesus. It's another day? <laughs> but then, no, no, no. But then not being an ordinary, you know, pecker-headed son of a bitch. No, I was a mystical-headed, pecker-headed son of a bitch. I go, uh-uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why? Hmm, why today of all days am I having such pissy, rotten thoughts? Huh, I hear something. Here's a day's or another year's worth of material for investigation. You're having rotten thoughts because you feel rotten. Yes, but I must overcome. I ask you, hush, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> It's not that there's nothing can be done. That's not it. But what you're saying can't be done. What I said for years can't be done. Well, that's a sign of weakness. Anybody would say that you're not ever going to, you know, you might as well get used to the fact that you're going to have rotten thoughts if you feel rotten. Whoever said that, they may have claimed to be a mystic or involved with a great secret struggle to awaken, but they were a sham. They're not even worth fooling with. Because it sounds as though they were just making a fatalistic statement if I'd have heard that. I'm not saying that there's nothing to be done. But I'm saying that there's nothing to be done regarding the fact that the thoughts that just appear, if they're rotten, they will be rotten if you feel rotten. There's the simplicity of it. Then you're supposed to go, well, then in that case, what could I do? And then you're supposed to go, wham, and fall on the floor and have your moment of enlightenment. But alas, you didn't. Or maybe you just held back. You didn't want to embarrass yourself. Maybe we should have somebody standing with a, a coat or a towel like they do in the good fundamentalist churches in case the spirit slays you and you fall down, especially if you're a woman, somebody immediately drops a cloth over you, you know, your dress so that you don't embarrass yourself while you're you know, rolling in the floor and speaking in tongues and rooting with the hogs. <laughs> maybe that's it. You people don't embarrass yourself. Maybe... I know what it is. You're so concerned, like me, of everyone else's feelings that you don't make the rest of us feel bad by you suddenly standing up and hollering, I see the light, I'm awake, because then make, you know, perhaps everyone else you feel like, well, it would be embarrassing. It would make them think, well, damn, why didn't that happen with me? <laughs> That's it. You're holding back for humanitarian reasons. 
God, what a great group of people to know. I bet some of you held back being more awake than you are, just, you know, not just so that you wouldn't surpass me and make me look bad. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I did it unwittingly to myself for, you know, a number of decades. Hmm. Even I just barely understand that one, so we'll stop.